Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. What's more fun than talking to the Holderness family once? Talking to the Holderness family twice. This viral internet couple has taught us how to laugh, and now they're teaching us how to fight. I am so excited to be here today with you because I get to talk to one of my very favorite couples. I have uh, Kim Holderness on my in my contacts of my phone. She doesn't know that because it's kind of stalkerish, but I do because because I because <laughs> I had her uh, call me once for something, and so I saved it, and now I've not used it yet. However, you can. Is there a picture ID for it? We need I, to take one right now so that when she calls it, like, comes up. Oh, my right? gosh. That, yes. That's something yes, let's do it. Ready? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, I'll get out of it. No. No. Oh, yes. Oh. Okay. okay, so that'll come up when she calls. Um, <laughs> perfect. It's like I'm coming through your screen. Yeah. Um, I'm happy you have my phone number. Use it. Well, I will now that I know that you all are so brilliant when it comes to fighting with your spouse. So, you know, the world knows you as this great couple that just seems to be just so playful and happy and fun. And I love that about you. However, now, after teaching us how to laugh, you are going to teach us how to fight in your new book coming out that's called Everybody Fights, So Why Not Get Better At It? How cool is this? I'm I'm digging this. Uh, where did the idea for this come from? Uh, the fighting. The fighting. Came <laughs> from a very fighting. real it place. Was, it came from the counseling that we went to, um, juxtaposed with the comments that we have on our videos of people saying, you guys are the perfect couple. Oh, your goals. You guys are amazing. How do you do it? I wish we were, like, were like, no, no we're not guys, perfect. No, we're not. We're not. And so we wanted to create something. We're very passionate about this. And because every, as every, anybody who's married knows this, you hit, even the best marriages hit some rough patches, right? Mm -hmm. And we hit ours and we got help. We went to counseling and we learned some principles and some tools that we still use every single day. And it transformed our relationship. So we would talk to friends about it and we would, you know, talk on our podcast about it. And we thought, you know, the best way to do this is to put it in the book. So it's basically the 10 fights we think every couple has, which is I do everything, you do nothing, you spend too much money, we aren't having sex enough, like all these like 10 fight topics with actual scripts that we wrote with our counselor of like, here's how you get out of this fight. Here are the magic words you can use to transform this. Because we think that like we don't fight every single day, but fighting can be a love language, right? You can learn more about your person by knowing their vulnerabilities, what's important to them, what their boundaries are. So we are so excited for this book to come out. And if it helps even just one couple come a little bit closer, mm -hmm. we'll call it a success. Right. And the one thing it did for me as I was reading through it is uh, it reminded me of how I used to fight. And in particular, stonewalling, like I love, my husband is wicked smart, like super fast thinker. And so we would be fighting and this, he would win because he's a better debater than I am. And I'm like, but it's my emotions. But all, of, you know, somehow he could twist that around and, and <laughs> win, win. And win. so I would just stop speaking to him for days at a time. And this book reminded me, oh, wow, like somewhere along the way, We've we've worked some of these things out. That doesn't mean it's perfect, but gosh, yes, thank you that I am not where I was. Did you yeah. find that when you were writing the book as well? 
Yes, uh, we did. And also, I should note that stonewalling, I've heard that term about a gajillion times in the last year, because, you know, the biggest fights are the ones that you don't have. And when you get stuck together with somebody for an entire year, that can really stew and become uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and so a, a lot of those walls have either been built up even higher or people have found ways to break through it. But um, we tried to give a name to that, you know, to make sure people knew what that was. Um, we we discovered fights we didn't know we were having while we were writing this book. Yeah, and it's interesting because stonewalling was my MO or yes. I would like pull the ripcord, meaning I would just like parachute out. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm done. Like literally one time we write about like how I got out of a moving car. I was like, stop the car, I'm getting out, I'm walking up. Cause I, and it's interesting you say that because that's similar to our dynamic. He is like photographic memory, he's super smart, he whatever. And like, I would, I would get so flustered and there's like a bite, like there's a response, like a biological response that happens when you're in this, like, it's like fight, flight, freeze. And my brain would just freeze. Yeah. And so he would have all the words, all the, all the words that made a lot of sense. I'm like, no, that's not what I, uh, and I would just free and then take, I would just head for the hills. So now I had to, I discovered that about myself. So not even if it's just five minutes, I'm like, I'm going to just going to go into the other room, take, five minutes deep breaths I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna have like my thoughts together mm -hmm. and now we have like productive conversations so you talk in your book about magic words and you know please and thank you well thank you is one of the magic words in your book but would you talk about what those mean and how they can diffuse a situation magic words are uh are ways to make sure that your partner is feeling heard and by validating them um that's that's the easiest way to put it um, some examples are, I hear you. Uh, another example is if someone is saying something, repeating what they're saying. So what you're saying is, um, tell me more is one of the most valuable things mm. you can say to someone who's in a fight, um, rather than redirecting back at them. And the biggest one for me that I learned was I feel, and I feel replaces you should, you always, you always. or you never. Um, there, when, when you get into fights, Kim mentioned what happens to your sympathetic nervous system and your inability to use words. Um, you, when, when someone says, I'm so mad, I can't even talk to you right now. That's an actual physiological thing that's happening inside your brain. Um, so I always like, I would just seize up and go to you always, you never, you're acting really snippy. You're doing like, we talk about all these things in the book. Well, that's projecting on them. If you use the magic word, I feel those, like you said, Nicole, those are your feelings. Nobody can dispute those feelings. You talk about how you feel, then you get on to what the argument is. I did in the beginning, I'm like, well, I feel that you're being yeah. terrible. <laughs> you and that doesn't do that. work yeah, like that. I feel that you should, yeah, no. that doesn't work. No. I yeah. like the, so what I hear you saying is that I'm a bad wife, like, you know. <laughs> But that's not what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, good point. What you really should try to summarize what the person is really feeling, not what you're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, these these work for our kids. I was kids. just thinking that, Kim. It's like on our, you know, like on our way home from somewhere, whatever, where you have like very and our kids, we love them. They're amazing. They're 11 and 14 and we don't get like a lot of information out of them. So it's like, how was your day? Fine. Tell me more. Like, yeah, at lunch. Tell like, so, and like, we would just keep on doing the whole like, tell me more. And like, I hear, I hear that you're a little frustrated. I hear you. That's hard. Like, and it just, it's been, it's transformed that relationship too. Mm -hmm. I, I have a 14 year old son. I know you have a 14 year old daughter, and my 14 year old son 
uh, he's a freshman in high school, and I've noticed that he he is sensitive to to the, my tone of voice, and so all of a sudden something will escalate into a fight, and I was like, "What just happened? Does that happen ever with Lola, or is she um, so chill for that?" And I think she and I are so much alike. Yeah, and I know when she's doing that, like fine and like and it's 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 all down to like it's not what you say it's how you say it mm-hmm. and i can kind of tick each other off in a in a way that like doesn't happen in that relationship because we do the fine i got it like all of those things that she and i you know she learned from me she came at it honest so yeah it's it's not what you say it's how you say it let me get your opinion on something. When Saul and I uh, first had our very first baby, who is now 17, we went to our pediatrician. Now, this was an old school pediatrician because. Nicole, we, you may have just muted yourself. Oh, I did just mute myself. This is exciting. But I was like. We're taking over the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please. Our show now. Okay. Oh, just okay. cover for me until yeah. I, I, I can, you know, re-unmute. Well, it's called tap dancing in the, in, the, in the local news world. Yeah, TV. just keep tap dancing, people. Um, and by the way, as we're looking at comments here, um, Barbara says, empathy statements. Yay. Yes. Yay. Okay, so I, I need your opinion on this. Saul and I had our first baby. She's now 17. We went to our pediatrician, very old school pediatrician. In fact, he was Saul's pediatrician when Saul was a baby. So um, he says to us when we when we are holding this teeny tiny thing in our hands and we just say, what do we do? Like, where's the instruction manual? And he says to us, just love her. But remember that she is joining your family. She is not creating your family. The two of you, if you can be all right, your kids yeah. are going to be all right. And yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Because that may or may not be correct. I love that. And we wrote about it. Yeah. Like, and there's, I think the chapter section is like, like to our kids, like you do not complete me, you know, basically our, like our relationship has to be the most important one. And yeah, yeah. Kim told me while she was pregnant with Lola, she looked at me and said, promise me that we'll still be each other's favorites, Mm -hmm. which is probably the coolest thing she's ever said to me, particularly because of how much attention I crave as as a, a person. That's just how my ego is. Like I want attention. And so babies to me, like I love them. I would do anything for them, but I like being the center of attention. Right? <laughs> so her saying that set it up. It doesn't change the fact that there were challenges along the way, um, but to have that core like they gave to you is is so valuable. And Kim mentioned you don't complete me. One of the things we write about in the book is that um, you are your most important job is being the audience to your partner's story. Mm. which um, which that was told to us by our counselor. I didn't invent that. I'm not, that's not me. That's, that's our friend, Christopher Edmonston, who said that, which I thought was incredibly impactful and powerful in that, you know, we're, we're pointed in the same direction and we need to hear, listen to, and go alongside that person, not completely focus on our own happiness and what we're doing. Um, and, and then the kids will be, part of that audience as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm a child of divorce. My parents tried their very, very best, but I think if I like, I think there were many things that this wasn't the only thing that happened, but I think like I left for college and they got divorced Mm -hmm. because I think there was no more, like they were able to put the issues aside and like, they were so focused on us 
that while they had a distraction of us, um, and then they looked up and then they're like, you know what? I mean, there were many other issues, but that's why it was so important to me to make this relationship the primary one to the point where like over this pandemic and, you know, we weren't doing the regular date nights that we usually have. Our kids saw that and they knew we needed that. And they would take our little office here and they would transform it into a little restaurant and they put a sign on the door that called, what was it, Le Poufs or something? Le Pouf. And they made it menus. And they, I mean, it was, it was so funny. It was like Oreo nachos. And like, <laughs> it was really like. I like the Oreo it, nachos. The Oreo nachos were really good. Yeah. But um, they made up a whole menu and they came in all dressed up and they would serve us. They did this several times because they'd be like, you need your date nights. Like they know how important mm-hmm. that, like our relationship is. So it was really cute. Wow, what an incredible thing for them to pick up on and and how I wonder how they'll transform that into their own relationship someday. I, it's Yeah, I hope so. I hope that they take that and yeah, cuz we want them to have great partnerships and you know even friendships and they know that takes work and that that's a priority. So walk me through you like you, the two of you are my Christopher, you are my marriage counselor right now, right? And so uh, walk me through this. This is maybe, let's say, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. My husband and I are at Menards, which is the Home Depot of the Midwest. And we are walking around with our two toddlers. And um, for some reason, we're talking about where the cart should be put back. And as I point to one direction, Saul rolls his eyes. And I was like, oh, like Mount St. Mommy is about to erupt, man, right there in the parking lot. I just, I I just, but I went from the cart to the fact that, you know, all of a sudden, since he got the head coaching job, he's not, uh, he's a basketball coach. Um, You know, he was looking right through me. He couldn't even see me anymore. You know, he was so distracted. He wasn't helping around the house like he used to and all of this stuff. So in the middle of the parking lot, we went from where should we put the cart to like, are we even in love anymore? Yeah. When a person's in the middle of that, how do we stop that escalation? Yeah. Um, well, so we talk a lot about metacommunicating in our book, which is taking a 30,000 foot view of the fight um, and taking some time to deescalate. And the first like three questions when you're in the middle of a fight, if you can manage to do this in the, while you're still in the parking lot, Ask yourselves these questions. Were you, were you tired? Maybe. Were you hungry? Maybe. Were you drunk? Hopefully not at Menards. What else had been going on in your life at the time? I think that's right. the big question. Um, so you kind of like rewind it a little bit and talk about what was happening right before that to help understand how you got to there. And we try, we try not to, like the term is like, don't leave the airport, meaning like our fights in the very beginning did the exact same thing. Yeah, you just bounce like, around. You, just, you wouldn't put your laundry in the hamper too. You always do this. You always do that. Like you have to stay in that one fight, which sounded like, and you're like, you're like, I, you probably felt loneliness, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were right. probably with these kids and he was off at some new fancy job. Like you were feeling some loneliness. Mm-hmm. And so I think that situation could have done with like a good, I feel like, and it, he, he can't, he can't, he's a loving husband. He probably would have wanted to provide comfort in that situation instead of, and which is what I used to do. Like you always do this and you always do that. And like, no, I just, I feel really lonely right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, if we could rewind, that's the advice I would have given. Yeah, one, one fight at a time. 
and then also just look at what's like take us take a second hover over yourself and look at what's going on around you and that'll help you form those i feel statements mm-hmm. having said that also dude don't roll your eyes at uh, at a at a, um, <laughs> no. at a woman don't no, just don't do no. it there's never like, good that just no. never ends well it no. never ends well if you do it don't let her see you do it <laughs> um that's that's just a i no-no. mean leave the room but yeah. just don't that's bad Okay, here's something else I'm wondering, since you all have been super um, honest in your videos and everywhere else, I mean, you even wear t-shirts about it. Okay, so one of you has uh, ADHD, one of you has anxiety. And so, right. And so honestly, like my husband and I pair up well with you because I have diagnosed anxiety. He has undiagnosed ADHD, which um, he says, why would we get somebody to tell me what I already know? Like whatever he's dealing. So, but have you ever used that as your reasoning for staying the way you are? This is how I react to things because this is who I am. Yeah. We used to. We used to. Um, What we're doing now is um, talking to each other about each other's deficiencies and understanding it. And then realizing that we have to move forward and work at those things that are deficiencies. By the way, I hate the term ADHD. Right. And I, like, I'll, that's a whole other well, thing I'm going to talk about. I don't like calling it a deficiency or a disorder, but it's, well, I, so my issue was with, with love you with yeah. him was, <laughs> um, I can't, I'm not a good listener. I have ADHD. I can't listen to you. That's how I used to I, say I, I have ADHD. I can't listen. Sorry. We can't. I'm like, Hey honey, can we talk? Yeah. Yeah. And then like space out. I have ADHD. And I'm like, no, you're still married to me. Like you have to like, and then, and on the other side, Kim would, you know, look, anxiety is, it's better understood now than it was 10 years ago by the entire world. Mm -hmm. But that includes me. And I would say like, can't you just be happy for a second? Can't you just, can't you just. Can't you just be happy for a second? Like something good is happening to our lives. And so I understand now that that's who she is and that's a chemical thing. Mm -hmm. But she also acknowledged that there are certain situations in social um, settings where she has to work at it just like I have to work at listening to her. Right. And so it, but it's taken just some awareness on mm-hmm. both of our parts about what that is. But yeah, yeah, yeah we used it. to, I would say 10 years ago, we both used it as a crutch. Like, well, I can't do it. I can't, I can't move on in this situation. It makes me too anxious. I can't do, you know, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was an issue, but I think that was part of, the, and honestly, that's how the fights brought us closer mm-hmm. because we we're able to understand each other more. And so, I mean, that's, that's why we're, I mean, it just, it works so much better now than it did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Sal and I are both from Wisconsin, so we could never say it to each other, but we would say to ourselves occasionally, like, buck up, little badger. Like, you know, <laughs> like you gotta just, you just gotta step forward in the middle of that anxiety and the fear. You gotta just step forward and sit down and listen to your wife when she wants to talk to you. So yeah, absolutely. Buck up, badger. Buck up, little badger. Um well done. Okay. Like that. In one second, I am going to ask you for something that you want to share, whether it's an act of kindness between the two of you or something kindness related, anything kindness related, you know, it's the kindness podcast. But first, I'm going to tell you what the massive problem is with this book. Oh, dear. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm ready. Um, when people read this book, they are going to feel like they know you intimately 
and they not sexually intimately, but they're gonna feel like they really, really like, know you. They do write about that, that yeah. in there, so yeah. Yeah, so they're gonna be like knocking on your front door, like Southern style, bringing you a hot dish, or do you, what do you call it? A casserole? I don't know. Casserole. We're casseroles. Down Nicole, here. that already happens. <laughs> We're in the South. This is, it can't get any more Southern than where we are right now. Yeah, but we do. So, by the way, Nicole, um, there is like a chapter and a half devoted to the sexy time topics, and it gets real <laughs> personal. And my mother is a, a this great, is great. So my mother was an teacher. <laughs> she does like freelance editing now. So I had her proof it. Grammar, ask like things we should expand on, things we should cut. And it was when our we had the in the book writing process like we had written them, but we had them staggered differently, and then the editor changed it, and so we're all kind of like working. So I gave her the wrong chapter numbers. I'm like, oh, please just don't read these cha this chapter and a half. Just don't read these two chapters. And I gave her the <laughs> And she texted me. She's like, by the way, you gave me the wrong chapter numbers. Totally read it. I was like, oh, I almost puked. Um, well, she was going to read it eventually. I mean, she was, sure. I mean, yeah. oh, so gross. So, yeah, so my <laughs> mom knows a whole bunch more about me. Yeah. Um, as for the as for the people knocking on your doors and feeling like they know us intimately, um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I would rather them know this version of us than the version of us that they see on Facebook because this is the real us. Yeah. Yeah, and there's something so beautiful and so kind about that. Thank you for that. Before I let you go, okay, what do you want to talk about kindness related? Do you have a story to share with us? Or, I mean, the story about your kids cooking you this, making this restaurant. Like, that was nice. That's I have to say, beautiful. Like, I'm so, and I think we talked about this before when you were kind enough to have kind enough to have us on, but just how our kids have gotten through the last year. It's been a year yeah. since the world shut down and how their kindness to each other. So I'm hoping that our relationship in a small way has impacted how they relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Because like our son had a freak out the other night. He couldn't find, he's 11 and he still sleeps with this, like his lovey, his toy and he couldn't find it. Found it and he was kind of like, and, and, and I, I told Lola about it and she ran to his room and gave him a hug and sat on his bed and snuggled with him. And it was just, they have the sweetest, not always, yeah. but they have such a sweet bond that like, that's, that's like kind of what's getting me through right now. Uh, my, my, my story of kindness over the last year is, uh, is about my wife, um, who has very patiently helped explain to me how to be a better man and how to be a better ally. Um, I have, I, I feel like I've been a pretty kind person my entire life, but she showed me that kindness goes beyond just looking at someone and being nice to them. It, it goes into understanding them. Mm -hmm. Um, and throughout the entire black lives matter movement, um, I went from being a silent nod my head, let me stay out of this to being a loud anti-racist, which I think is the most important kindness that we can extend to anybody. And I couldn't have done it without my wife. It takes, Aww. it takes courage and it takes, it takes a level of kindness that people don't understand. And she was very patient with me about that. I'm not like, I'm, I don't think that in the beginning I was like a raging <laughs> racist. I really don't. And right. I wasn't right. But I, but, but I learned more about like how, how being an ally and kindness fit hand in hand. And it's different from what I thought it was. And she showed me that. Oh, thanks. And I think that that sums up really what, what we hope that this book or what I imagine you hope this book will do for people, which is, you know, t for a wife to really help her 
husband become the best man that he can be and for a husband to help a wife become the best woman, you know, all around that she can be. So it goes both ways. I don't know why I just did that, but that's me saying it, it goes both ways. Okay. Um, I thought you were pointing it at me and your wife and saying, yeah, these are two awesome women. Like that's what are, I thought. You guys, are, you guys are awesome. But like, I'm, you just mentioned those two things. And I, I, I want to just say this for anyone who's listening. Yeah. This isn't just a book for women. Um, this is a book for both. Right. Uh, Men are, by definition, less likely to want to go into counseling. They are probably less likely to buy this book, but I think they'll get just as much out of it. We already have, we already have it in our DNA to want to maintain things. We take our cars in for oil changes. And if there's something like going wrong in our house, we get a nail and we fix it. And by we, he means men, but not really pen. This is men. (laughs) Other men. I don't profile as this. Not how he identifies. But in general, we, we maintain things pretty well. So for some reason, we, we don't want to maintain our marriage unless like the tire has fallen off of the marriage and we're stuck in the middle of the road mm-hmm. rather than just having a tune up and an oil change. And I know this, I'm really going really far with this metaphor, but it's a good one and it works for guys. Um, we should treat our marriages like we treat our cars at the very least. And this is what this book is about is maintenance. It's not, it's buying it is not an admission that there's something deeply wrong with you it's the 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 goal is to turn a good marriage into a great marriage and that's what we're hoping to do with this book Mm -hmm. and when 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 the car gets you know rusty and worn out like don't don't upgrade it for a better car wow that's that's a that's a (laughs) metaphor i haven't used yet yes keep driving the same car yes no younger models Pen Kim, it has been delightful to talk with you. Thank you so much, everybody. The book is called Everybody Fight, so why not get better at it? It releases on March 30th, and uh, you can find it wherever you find books. So thank you, everybody. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was a conversation with Penn and Kim Holderness. Check out their new book, Everybody Fights, and connect with them at theholdernessfamily.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. And check out my book, The Negativity Remedy, now available in stores. 